Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our readers and listeners of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position, along with your favorite beverage, to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine the show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion, we want to say thanks for questions coming from our audience at Smith Weekly, including Dave V, Gordon S., Cindy W., and Luke A. On Smith Weekly Discussions today is a brand new guest. Mr. Nelson Baker has joined us. Nelson is president and CEO of Mineral Mountain Resources, an exploration stage company advancing the work at the Rochford Gold Project, which is located south from the historic and legendary Homestake gold mine in the Black Hills region, South Dakota. Mineral Mountain is a portfolio holding at Smith Weekly Research. The company is listed on the Toronto Venture Exchange under the symbol MMV and also on the US OTC markets under the symbol MNRLF. Mr. Baker, it's uh, good to finally get you on the show and welcome. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm delighted to be able to tell you uh, about our uh, excellent gold project in South Dakota. And just some color for the audience here, Nelson. We've been trying to get you on the show for almost one and a half years now going back, and uh, it took some arm twisting to get the job done. But I first came across Nelson back uh, in the Rainy River days, back when, I'll be honest, when I didn't know a lot about the junior sector. Luckily, Nelson made me look good when I didn't have much of a grasp on things. So, Nelson, take us back in time, though, maybe back to the good old days, if you will, and give us some of the good and bad highlight reel of your time in the listed junior business, which goes back a long time. You've been here for a long time, and you have exceptional amount of uh, knowledge and wisdom in this sector. Uh, it goes back to, uh, well, uh, my uh, father uh, it was a, uh, a very well-respected and successful prospector in Canada. Uh, I grew up in northern Ontario, right in the center of uh, the uh, Timmins uh, Gold District, and my dad was uh, was responsible for discovering uh, the uh, uh, North American Palladium Deposit. And my brother and I followed suit. We grew up and got a degree in geology and wanted to emulate uh, dad's uh, success at, at making uh, significant discoveries. I spent uh, a good portion of my career after graduating at South Dakota School of Mines in 1969. I, I spent um, much of my career with SO Minerals Canada. Canadian entity of Exxon Minerals, searching for uh, essentially gold deposits throughout Canada and uh, and in the U.S. And uh, we were part of a our SO Minerals uh, team, uh, part of a very successful group that made several discoveries in Canada, and uh, including one of the uh, one discovery in the U.S. in Crandon, Wisconsin. We've had uh, a lot of success. Then we, uh, uh, as a consultant, I was uh, I was employed by Hunter Dickinson Mining in Vancouver. And uh, while I was with Hunter Dickinson, we identified a, a very strong gold project in northwestern Ontario called Rainy River, and uh, we uh, we took uh, that project from. Uh, 
450,000 ounces of gold to up to uh, up to close to 5 million ounces and sold that project off to uh, to New Gold uh, for $343 million. And uh, we were able to uh, create significant value to uh, Rainy River Resources. And then we decided once we uh, sold our project off to New Gold, we decided to uh, uh, form a new company called Mineral Mountain Resources brought essentially the same technical team that we had at, uh, at Rainy River and decided to uh, venture into the Black Hills. Since I had uh, graduated in South Dakota School of Mines uh, in Rapid City, South Dakota, we were quite familiar with the Homestake Mine successes, its history. We've been underground several times and uh, decided that we wanted to uh, exploring for iron-hosted gold deposits uh, like the Homestake Mine in, in the Black Hills. Our team quickly established that the, uh, the Black Hills was vastly underexplored, particularly in modern exploration times. Uh, the era that, uh, the, that the Homestake Belt was explored principally was uh, from the 1875 to 1940 era. Modern technology like airborne surveys and that were not uh, were not common and were not used in during that era. That and uh, we decided that it was a an above average place to explore for iron hosted gold deposits. And I appreciate the overview. You know, brings up a lot of interesting stuff just with your tie back to South Dakota, and then also I think you underscore the Rainy River portion. But maybe just two things to get started here on what you said. The Rainy River part of it, you know, the value during the peak of the last gold market was actually a lot higher than that. Maybe if you remember, I don't specifically remember where the value went, but it was much higher than what you sold it to New Gold for. And then secondly, you've gone from Canada back into the U.S. You've been in both places. Where would you rather work today, Canada or the U.S.? I guess that's kind of a broad question, depending on what province and what state, but maybe just speak to those couple items. The uh, South Dakota is uh, we find uh, we find exploring in South Dakota really really easy because uh, the local government are quite familiar with uh, with the Homestake mine successes. Uh, uh, South Dakota School of Mines was built on on uh, was built in 1985 based on uh, Homestake successes mining friendly area easy to uh, get permitted to drill and uh, things like that. But uh, I, I'm at home either in Canada or in the U.S. Our uh, staff, our technical team are primarily Americans. Some of them have dual citizenships. And so there's no uh, delays that we see. The uh, They are Americans and uh, with a vast experience in the, in the homesick area. We're comfortable working in uh, in South Dakota. We find that uh, their tax systems are, are much more easy to uh, to work with than than other parts of the U.S. And uh, we're happy to be there. Yeah, and talk about the Rainy River bit though. That value of that company went up much more during the kind of 2010 period, if I recall, Nelson. You recall where that went as far as you know total market cap during that period of time because you know you guys 
reached a deal with New Gold after, of course, the air came out of the gold price at that point. Do you remember that particular point? And then was Rainy River the, the big initial win for you, Nelson, or was there some other wins that happened before that? Oh, no. Uh, Rainy River was definitely a, a big win for, for me and, and our technical team. We we bought the uh, Rainy River project from a company called New Insco, based in Toronto. We bought that 25 cents a share and took uh, Rainy River up to uh, as high as $13.50 a share. And it took uh, 2004 to uh, 2010 when we sold to New, uh, New Gold, but tremendous uh, value added. The really critical thing about uh, the Rainy River deposit or the, the discovery was the fact that it was under 25, 26 meters of uh, glacial till and uh, an area that uh, historically wasn't uh, well known for its, uh, for its gold assets. And uh, so we created a significant value uh, for our shareholders by far. It went into production in 2017. It uh, produces uh, about 250,000 ounces a year uh, for the next uh, 18 years is what they're scheduling. So it was a major success for us, particularly where the deposit was in an area that hadn't been recognized as a a major uh, gold district. So we've really changed everybody's mind. So it it was a major success for us. Well, you definitely made me look smart at the time, Nelson, so I appreciate you uh, covering that <laughs> and appreciate the hard work uh, as well that it takes. And before we get into Mineral Mountain here, I just want to ask you one more question about uh, your thoughts on these natural resource cycles, because you've been through a lot of them. And, you know, yeah. there's some people that definitely have not been around as long as you to experience these cycles, and they don't have the same experience level that you do. And there's also some comments out there in the market today that, uh, you know, these cycles are no more in a sector like gold. But really, is there anything different about this cycle, Delson? And does this argument have any merit in regards to the cycles and the gold price and the natural resource cycles? Well, in my experience, uh, we go through these cycles, uh, like, for example, zinc. Zinc now is very much in demand. Uh, it had, uh, for the past uh, four or five years, was uh, not very much in demand. But now the cycle is really extremely positive for, for zinc and, and copper and all uh, metals. It, it's a cyclical world we live in, and uh, we're going through a, a real positive metals market. I think that this is a cycle that's going to last for uh, five to ten years, real positive. Yeah, I think so as well. I think there's some impatient folks out there and there's a thought that this is different this time. Whereas, in fact, while it might be, there might be some differences, things might look a little different. Uh, the perception, the time frame, the circumstances, uh, at the end of the day, I think that uh, it's going to rhyme very similar to what's happened in the past. And I think after you've seen it for multiple cycles, my suspicion is, is you probably align with my thinking here as well. But Nelson, let's go to the deposit types in this Black Hills homestake district, you know, a really famous location. How complex are these deposit types, Nelson? And why do you think there is notable potential on your grounds? Well, that's a very, very good question. The homestake mine produced 41 million ounces 
from 1875 to 2001 when it closed, it never ran out of ore. In other words, uh, it, it was just a, a question of uh, gold price uh, when it closed in, in, in the late 1990s. Uh, gold was uh, under $300 an ounce. They were mining ore underground at about $240 an ounce. And so they weren't, uh, their margin was uh, low. They could see over the over the next decade that at the mine that they wouldn't be making any money at all. So they changed their focus. But we know that uh, because of Homestake's success, we estimate that there was still about four and a half million ounces still underground left at below the 8,000 foot level at six grams per ton. So these deposits are almost sought after uh, compared to Red Lake and vein hosted gold deposits. Iron hosted iron formation are probably the best, most sought after deposit in our industry because there's no nugget effect. When you're in Red Lake or Kirkland Lake and Timmins, you have some places extremely high values of gold and in other places uh, the next day you'd be mining and you'd have uh, very low value so the nugget effect whereas banded iron formation deposits tend to keep their grade across the entire mining width and uh, they're very well sought after we know in the black hills that although homestake is by far the the largest deposit of its kind in the world we know that uh, there are other deposits nearby. We know that that's not a unique event. It's a district, and that district should host several more deposits. And we, in Rochford, we've been there since 2013. Our work suggests that we have potentially up to four or five iron-hosted gold targets that we've identified that could have the scale similar scale to homestake-style uh, deposits. As they say, the best place to find a deposit similar to what you're exploring for is next to a head frame, and we're only 25 kilometers south of the homestake mine, and our geology is very, very similar to homestake in all aspects, and we think that there's a real distinct possibility of us discovering a uh, large-scale style gold deposit. Standby Mine is by far our best target developed to date, but there are at least four other targets in the Rochford area that we feel has above-average potential for discovery. Nelson, the BIF-hosted deposit style, Yeah, these are nowhere else in the world as far as, or is there other examples? Can you clarify that for the audience? Prime examples are uh, Kalgoorlie in a place called Mount Magnet in Western Australia. There's uh, In Canada, we have the Muscle White Deposit, Northern Ontario. We also have two very large areas in the uh, Nunavut in Northern Angava, where Agnico are uh, defining large gold resource in several deposits in the Meadowbank area west of Rankin Inlet, and also Northwest Territories up near the northern part, the top tip of the Northwest Territories, there's an area 
developed by TMAC Resources, which uh, uh, Agniku made a proposal to buy TMAC Resources out. Uh, these are just some of the examples of, of large iron-hosted gold deposits that are being developed right now and, and sought after. Yeah, and that's good perspective for the audience, but uh, let me tie this back into Black Hills area and, of course, the district home stake. What other operators are in the area, Nelson? Is there interest? Is it just Mineral Mountain alone? And if not, talk about the others in the district if you think that this area is something that's definitely going to get a lot of attention in the years forward. What's your thought on you know other people interested in this area? Well, uh, the one that's actively being produced now is the Wharf Mine, owned by Coor Mining out of Chicago. Uh, they bought uh, the Wharf Mine from Goldcorp maybe five years ago at $105 million price and have been uh, producing gold continuously. If my memory serves me right, the mine has been in production for the past 35 years and has produced uh, several million ounces of gold since it went into production. It's a heap leach type open pit deposit. Similarly, Agnico Eagle have taken on a project called Gilt Edge just south of the Homestake Mine deposit and have indicated that uh, they've defined a 3 million ounce resource below surface, very similar in style to the uh, wharf mine. And also uh, there's a, a private company called Dakota Territories who are made up of ex-Homestead uh, technical people uh, that uh, have gone out after the mine closed at Homestead. They went out and uh, purchased a number of Homestead's assets in the area and have been very successful at tying up a real competitive large land track in the in the Homestake mine area. And like us, they've been doing a lot of technical work, airborne research, structural uh, compilation. And the uh, Homestake mine area and the Homestake belt, including our area in Rochford, will become a brand new district with a lot of focus. We'll see new companies other than us coming into the area because of its raw potential. Yeah, Nelson, that's interesting to point out. And Agnico Eagle interest with Gilt's Edge and just the small amount of players. And of course, you guys have a pretty good land package in the area. It is interesting here and really just unnoticed by the market. The deposit size that Agnico delineated at Gilt's Edge, how long have they been interested in the district and how long have they put that together? I mean, it doesn't seem like it's been that long. It's been no more than two years, maybe a little less than two years. What they did is they went to, it was a uh, it was a super fun gold project that was developed in late uh, 1980s. So they, they went to the South Dakota government and said, listen, we would like to explore that. It's got a long history. The Gilt Edge is long history of uh, contaminated water, not caused by the company that had the property, but because of the fracturing and leakage in the rocks and the mineralization. That particular Gilt Edge was made a Superfund project and uh, controlled by the South Dakota government. Agnico went to them and said, listen, we'll clean up uh, the Gilt Edge project and make sure we uh, control this uh, leakage or contamination, but allow us to explore the Gilt Edge. And uh, they did that 
uh, over the past uh, year, year and a half, they drilled uh, several holes into the gold system. And we understand from them that they've delineated about 3 million ounces can be processed and that they would like to put into production. Once that happens, and we also understand that Coor Mining have drilled adjacent to their pit and have extended the deposit significantly, and we understand that they have, they themselves have 4 million ounce target defined. The Black Hills is certainly heating up. We've got an excellent uh, contiguous land package in an area, and we were able to do that only because uh, a stressful time we've had over the last four or five years. People uh, that had land in the area gave it up, and we were able to come in and acquire a significant uh, land holdings uh, greater than 7,500 acres. We're probably the second largest. Uh, landholder in the district. In addition to that, we uh, assembled, put together probably the most comprehensive database for the Rochford district and acquired all the historical drill holes and logs and data associated with the historical work done in the Rochford district. And we were able to acquire the standby mine patents, which hosts one of the largest gold systems in the Rochford district. Yeah, that's good information. Appreciate you sharing some more info there for the audience, Nelson. Well, let's move into Mineral Mountain a little bit uh, closer here. Why don't you just go ahead and just give us a brief overview of the capital structure and then any key shareholders you'd like to mention or can mention. And then do you see that there's a need to raise cash for the company soon to continue activities? Oh, yes. As of today, we have approximately fully diluted. We have 115 million shares out. Outstanding shares, $102 million. We've got roughly $2.5 million in cash, and we will need to, to finance a 9,000-meter drill program on standby to advance it. We've only explored the top 500 meters of the standby mine goal system, and we think that the, the best potential is a few hundred meters down plunge from where we left off. Our major shareholders are uh, insiders, Myself, Ford, uh, we own approximately uh, 60% of the company's position. We can comfortably put our hands on another uh, 10% of the shares outstanding. Our largest shareholders are mainly investors from the private equity sector. There's no major company that owns a position in Mineral Mountain, and that's where we stand. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that, Nelson. And let me ask you about the management team, you know, obviously besides yourself, but talk about the management team here, Nelson, and the, really the key people at the company. We're very fortunate to have Terry Lyons on our board. Uh, Terry is uh, lead director for Canaccord, also associated with Eric Sprott's uh, group of companies. Terry's ran several companies over the past year. He's been uh, an outstanding director. He's able to uh, direct us to funds that, that he brings to our brings to our table, and very fortunate to have him. We have Barry Coglin, our chairman, a, a past broker on several boards on the Hunter Dickinson Group. Also, he understands the markets really well and been a very valuable member of our team. Trevor Thomas, 
the legal counsel for Hunter Dickinson. He's also a really strong uh, director that helps us out immensely. And uh, Brian Correll is guiding the portion of the Nakatuan and First Nations group here in Sawasan First Nation group in Vancouver area. Helps them invest funds here locally in Vancouver and He's able to provide us uh, excellent direction in dealing with the First Nation in South Dakota. And Brad, he's with us at uh, Hunter Dickinson. He's able to uh, help us uh, raise funds and help us in in many categories. Appreciate that, Uh, Nelson here. Let's expand on that just a little bit uh, because it's one of my questions here. Go over the relationship that you and management have with the local tribes. That's very important in the community. How important is this relationship to gain the social license in a historical mining region that, you know, has had some issues in the past and had some difficulties? How do you see that this goes in the event that you turn up an economic deposit? It's vitally important for us to to have solid to solidify a, a very positive relationship with a with local indigenous group. We want to make them part of our success. If we ever develop a deposit that goes into production, we want them to have vital say as to how the deposit's developed, who, who's working on the sites and provide jobs. That's really important today. And we explore, uh, our exploration is done. We're under strict guidelines as to how we drill, how we, how we refurbish the drill sites, uh, what we do with the water, the re- water that's returned. We follow the guidelines as stringently as possible. We have an excellent relationship with the Department of Energy National Resources. We're able to get our uh, permits to drill within a very quick timeline. We have an excellent rapport with Department of Energy and Natural Resources in South Dakota as well. And after the completion of every hole, we have an on-site visit from Department of Energy that verifies that we have to plug every hole, make sure it's done properly. So yes, we're we're very conscious of mining sector and we know that we we have to follow some really stringent rules and we're able to do that. This is important also for that state, South Dakota, natural resource extractive industries are just important for the local economy in that area really good benefits to the community if you guys are able to advance something here and keep that effort up. Nelson, talk about the plans. You know, you've got the two primary targets, Standby and Cochrane. You mentioned the depth here on the next program, but, uh, you know, what's the focus and where do you really want to see this company by 2022? Well, first of all, Standby Mine is has the size and volume of, of gold-bearing material that we feel could host a significant large-scale deposit, very similar to one of the ore ledges that Homestake mined called the Nine Ledge. That Nine Ledge produced a little over 9 million ounces. We feel that we have the scale, the size, the volume of unexplored material in standby to be able to define that size of deposit. So our goal this year is to initially in the next four to six weeks, drill down plunge from standby mine surface mine area, down plunge to as much as 1800 meters down plunge. And we feel that the material that we've drilled to date at standby is what they term at at home stake to be 
upper tail style mineralization, it tends to be not as high grade or uh, consistent as what we call the ore centroid in homestake style deposits. We feel that ore centroids at standby has not been drill tested yet. Our objective is to drill down plunge to vector towards this uh, centroid style deposit. With success, we'll, uh, we hope to achieve this drilling by midsummer. If we're successful, we'll delineate an advanced uh, uh, drill program to delineate a resource at the standby mine. Coincidentally, the other project is advanced. It's called a Cochrane deposit. On surface, uh, there was 268,000 ounces of non-compliant gold resource at grading uh, a little over 6 grams, defined uh, down to about 130 meters. We are in the process of permitting now to drill down plunge from that surface resource. Been applying for permitting and hopefully we granted that by midsummer. So we would continue drilling on the Cochrane deposit down plunge to trace and follow that that resource that's near service and as well we have three other targets of significant scale that are iron hosted gold occurrences uh, that our compilation suggests that are they're large scale gold targets and we'll uh, systematically advance those as well so we're going to be very very busy this year mainly we want to confirm to our investors and to our team that uh, we really do have a similar geological environment to the homestake deposit, and we want to advance those uh, key targets to discovery. You give us a good flavor of what kind of profile you're looking for as far as size and the types, um, which can be very substantial if you guys are able to strike something uh, really yeah. good here. And I guess, you know, the other part of that too is, if you guys are successful and you really do see something coming out of the standby target, if that comes out positive, do you see you guys will just drop everything else for the time being and really focus in on getting standby delineated? And then also with your guys' land package and the two competitors we talked about land packages earlier, are you guys of the opinion, Nelson, or are you of the opinion that this land package you guys have and these targets are well-selected and superior to the competition? Not saying superior. No, I, I, I think that we're part of a, a gold-bearing belt that has not been well-explored, and we have a very important land package with the same style of geology to uh, both Coor and Agnico. Our style of deposit is more akin to the homestake deposit style Whereas uh, gilt edge and core mining are uh, open pit style deposits, a uh, little lower grade, but nonetheless really sizable gold resource. Uh, we're talking about exploring for a deposit with uh, 8 to 10 gram per ton value that would be an underground style deposit. At some point, as we move this project along and increase, enhance our knowledge of what we have, we would be happy to entertain a major gold producer to come in and help us move the project to development. Nelson, you've got Homestake going down to like roughly 2,500 meters. The standby trend, you guys are only you know down around, uh, looks like so far, uh, around 1,000 meters. Um, yeah, we just barely tickled the, 
the project. We we haven't really started to test the standby mine project properly. We think it's uh, got outstanding potential for a large resource. And uh, a lot of people are happy if they find a million ounce deposit. We're talking a, a much, much larger scale. If we're right, Mineral Mountain is not a small company. The the impact that it would have, we prove our theory right. We have a very, very significant mid-tier type company. Nelson, then talk about the characteristics. Is there a real rhyming trend with home stake and standby here? Because it looks like you could point to that fact just based on the data that you guys have presented so far. And with that, to prove your point, you know, do you guys really see that your point will be proven or disproven over the next, uh, say, two years? Definitely. Actually, we'll know uh, this year whether our theory, we actually know uh, we've taken depth slices of the standby mine Rochford iron formation that hosts the gold. We've taken depth slices down to 500 meters. We have a real good assessment of what this deposit is doing physically, and we're able to adapt our, our drill program to properly test that standby mine deposit. And Homestake Mine, from surface down to where they stopped mining, that was two and a half kilometers, uh, a four kilometer strike length, four kilometer strike length of significant ore grade gold mineralization. These things aren't aren't small deposits, and uh, if uh, we prove our theory right, I, I'm willing to bet that we have one of the best gold prospects in North America. Well, we'll place our uh, physical gold bets offline here, Nelson. <laughs> so and you got to be, po- you know, at, at my, you have to be positive, and and it's all based on good technical science. It's not. It's not me just standing here and and saying this is what we have. We're basing it on research and uh, good, hard, technical data, strong compilation. We've got some really good ideas of what these... Matter of fact, we're convinced, it's documented that at one time, the Rochford District was right west of the Homestake Mine deposit. Through the years, many years, of course, geological years, the Rochford district was shifted down 14 kilometers along a, a major shear zone. So essentially, we have the homestake geology, and that's why it's that's why the geology is so similar. No, we're we're excited about our potential. Yeah, it certainly is very interesting here, and I can definitely get the sense of your enthusiasm here and just your love of this business as well, doing what you're doing. And looking at the share performance, Nelson. Well, there's been three specific run-ups um, in the price since 2016 until now. Have the disappointments been on the drill results this far? Is it company-specific, Nelson, or do you think it's just larger sentiment declines in the overall junior gold space? No, I think particularly uh, the Homestake Gold Belt is is not – this style of deposit is not uh, – it's complex. I mean, there's a lot of folding, tight folding and shear zone. When we first embarked on a drill program on standby, we did not have the knowledge we know now. And uh, so some of our holes were spotted and drilled in a direction that we would drill differently now. So when we put out intersections like 20 meters of 2 grams or 43 meters of 1.21 grams, 29 meters of 3.19 grams, 
These are big, wide intervals, but the, our investors keyed to, to thinking that we would hit homestake-style grades immediately from our drill program, and that's not realistic. We felt that our drill program was above average. We, we got significant results that told us that we're on, we're on the right track, but we didn't get 10 meters of 10-gram grade intersect that our investors were looking for. Technically, we feel that that was a very successful drill program. It told us a hell of a lot. It told us that we were we were on target to define a homestake style deposit, and we still are convinced our drilling to date has not tested the right central or centroid type areas. We're not very far from being able to test that theory. So. I think it was just a question that our investors were anticipating that we would bang into a homestake style deposit grade immediately. That's really not realistic. We're able to do that. And because of its complexity, we've had a hard time convincing investors that we're on the right track. But recently, work that we've done through SRK, recompiling the airborne, the structural complexities of the area, doing depth slicing doing resistivity uh, airborne and flying at two surveys, one at 100-meter centers and the other one at 50-meter centers. So we really advanced our knowledge of what we have since we drilled our zone. So it's a question of it's up to us to make believers out of our investors that we really do have something significant. Well said, good points, and I think that that certainly has played into it, and then also I think the overall sentiment in the in the sector has also played into to part of this price issue. Yeah. Um, right. Well, Nelson, talk about the end game at Mineral Mountain. Is this, if successful, is this a acquisition? Go back to your timeline for a moment, and then also, will you stay on board to see the end result? Oh, definitely. I'm. I've never been involved. You know, even even with our Rainy River success, we're talking about an entirely different upside potential here at Rochford. I have never been involved in a project that has so much upside potential. I will I will stay on as long as as long as I can physically, because I don't really need to be doing this. But I I'm passionate about it. I love what we're doing, and you're all about success for us is having the right team. And we have the right guys. They're believers that this project is for real and with a lot of upside potential. So, sure, uh, we will we'll advance it as far as we can physically, define resource, or prove to the industry that the homestake belt is far more prospective than just the homestake mine deposit alone. There are others out there. We think we have a few of them out there on, on our project. For potential investors who are on the sidelines listening, market cap stands around 20 million Canadian today, Nelson. What would you say to potential investors at this stage for the company and at current price levels? I would say uh, if our model is correct, the upside potential is very similar to companies like Great Bear in Canada, uh, Novo Success. I think the upside potential is enormous. So at 23, 25 cent level, I, I think a key investment in a, an outstanding gold project with above average potential. And the experience we had at Rainy River trading as high as 13 and a half, I can see similar things happening with Mineral Mountain. 
interesting narrative, Nelson, and uh, as a uh, portfolio holding over here at Smith Weekly Research, uh, we're looking forward to you delivering on this as a go out with a bang, if you will. Uh, I think the timing yeah. and the cycle is correct and the price is right. And you certainly have that know-how along with a really good team to try to take that narrative and actually put it to work and actually show it to the market here. So how about the best way for investors to reach out to the company at this point? Get a hold of Brad Baker, who's our corporate development person, or our website, mineralmtn.com. But Brad Baker, Vancouver, 778-383-3975. His email address is bbaker at mineralmtn.com. Well, Mr. Baker, thank you for the efforts and the time today, and you stay well out there, and you guys keep up the good progress. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you for giving us the time to tell our story and appreciate giving us the time to do that.